Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics Australia, and I'm joined on the podcast this week by our head of consulting, Corinne Cantor. Hey, Corinne. Hey, Dom. How you doing? I'm good. Hey, looking for your advice this week. Mm. I've got a bunch of debriefs and cases that come up, and it's kind of around differentiating this line between what's blue and what's red. You know, where mm. does it tip from being kind of constructive to kind of mm. not so constructive, maybe? And it came up, you know, one of them came up recently because I was talking to someone and they were probably more on the green side, right? Kind of didn't back themselves type stuff. I was talking about, you know, being confident and they said how I was brought up to not have tickets on yourself, you know, don't toot your own horn. And yeah. there's probably like, a there's so many phrases to that effect, right? Don't, yeah. don't kind of sing your own praises type stuff. Praises, yeah. And so it got me wondering, you know, and, and a discussion I had with them is what is the difference between being confident and bravado? You know, mm. confident and arrogance. And there's lots of those mm. kinds of cases because let's face it, in that top, you know, left corner type thing in particular, achievement is similar, you know, it has some similarities to perfectionistic and to competitive and, and those styles. So it'd be fun if we can throw some of those, you know, confident rather than bravado and kind of pick it apart. What is the difference? Why does it tip from being one to the other? How does that sound? Yeah. That's a great question. I love that topic, actually, because it does come up quite a lot. And my experience is that the big differences are easy to understand. It's when you get into the more subtle things and and also sort of the lower order things in the defensive styles, which could be functional. Great question. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's start. I've, I've got a bunch of them. We'll, okay. we'll kind of pick them off as we go. So if we start with that one. You know, mm. confidence versus bravado. Why is it falling, you know, either side? What's the difference between those two? Yeah. Well, maybe if we take a step back and think about the difference between achievement and, I mean, bravado could sit in any of the red styles really, probably, mm. you know, competitive, perfectionistic. So one of the things that I would suggest is that one of the ways to think about the difference between a blue style and, say, a red style is that, because the red style comes from security orientation, so it's more defended, it's more likely to be concerned with looking good, mm. okay? Mm. Whereas because the blue style comes from constructive, more satisfaction-oriented, the focus is less about me and more about what needs to be done, what needs to be achieved. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the first thing is to remember the difference in the motivation in behind the needs. So if I think about the difference between confidence and bravado or, or arrogance, in when I'm being confident, I'm able to put forward a point of view. I'm able to advocate for that view. I'm able to hold my position and I can do all of it without diminishing anyone. I can be strong in the way that I articulate that. I can express it directly. I can go to the heart of the issue without actually needing to push my way forward and over 
someone. That's what I think of when I think about confident. If I think about arrogance before I go to bravado, arrogance is more I think I know better. So I'm so confident about what I know or what I think I know that there's an implication that I I hold my own view up above superior to anyone else's. What do Main, you think? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm thinking of the items under the LSI, you know, maintain. Yeah, a, yeah. Is it an image of superiority? Super, image of superiority. Yeah. So I don't know. Do, do you think that's a fair characterization of arrogance? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, for, for me, it, it, look, it's so interesting because people sometimes shy away from being confident for fear of yeah. being arrogant, arrogant, or, brav- or bravado, or seeming like they're full of bravado, right? Mm. And so, I think it's good to tease out those differences because we want confidence. Confidence is really mm. useful, right? And, and being clear and confident in who I am, what I can contribute, what I'm about, what my skills are—that's mm. all good. That's awesome. Mm. We want to to use that to build on that. Right, and sometimes I think it scares people off that they're going to step over that line or, or something like that. And what I loved, I, I wrote it down while you're talking, was you talked about what's the motivation for me right now. Yeah, and I think that's such a key question. Yeah, in all of the styles, you know, it's a yeah. question I ask myself all the time if I'm facing a dilemma and I, I feel like I'm wavering or you know I'm not sure. I kind of ask, what's motivating me to say yes yeah. or no or you know, whatever. Where am I coming way. from? Yeah, where sure. am I coming from right now? And I think it's, they're really, you know, I think it's these really subtle differences that are most important to help people figure out because I've had the questions myself. And what I was going to say, you know, when you said that you're working with some people who might have more green in their profile and mm. they react to the term confident because in their mind they've made that mean bravado or arrogant. Mm or, you know, trumpeting their own. And it's interesting, right? To me, that's a very black and white view of it's like they don't give themselves any middle ground. You know, you're either self-deprecating and modest, which is good, or you're confident and arrogant and grandiose, you know, and there's no bad. Yeah. in between. Yeah, there's. Yeah. it's a very, you know, and I think I get it, right? I think that if you think about some of the sayings that you talked about, in society, it's like pride cometh before a fall, you know, <laughs> like you've got all those sayings and, you know, you've got to be, so we have a real value around modesty. And this might be another distinction to talk about the difference between being modest and humble and mm. self-deprecating. That, that know, might be another one, that. difference between it's blue another and green. One. Yeah, difference between blue and green. But in this one, what it does is people use kind of that idea, I don't want to be full of bravado, I don't want to be arrogant, I'm, you know, it's important to me to be humble. Mm. They're not mutually exclusive. You know, confident is not the same as bravado. If we think about bravado, it's an interesting <laughs> term. To me, bravado is really kind of putting on a a blustery, you know, confident Persona, but, but it's a mask. You may not, it's kind of a yeah, mask. Yeah, it's a mask. Yeah. It doesn't feel right. doesn't feel real. And again, if you go back to what is the motivation, why would you do that? And certainly I have had times in my life when I've, you know, probably adopted that bravado in the, you know, faking it till I feel it. That was my hope. But the motivation was 
defensive. You know, I was trying to look good. I was trying to protect myself by looking as if I knew what I was, you know, doing. And if someone questioned me, then that's a threat. And, you know, then I'd come back and and push back. So I think the motivation's the key thing that separates confidence from bravado or arrogance. The other thing I I think I would say, and I go to self-actualizing for this, the term ego has come to mean something not desirable. You know, someone's egotistical. They're full of ego. And so what I want to say about that is there is definitely an element if somebody's egotistical, they might be too self-absorbed, too caught up in their own self-needs to be able to be in a, a constructive relationship. However, as leaders, there's such a thing to me as a healthy ego where you think enough of yourself, you respect yourself enough, where you honour, you're prepared to honour your values and your needs and you would be prepared to stand up for that. I was looking for a word other than defend that, you know, stand up for it and hold position. And I think that that, that is, you know, that's a, a positive expression of self, not because you are feeling deficient, but because you recognize your own self-worth. And I think that there's a level at which, you know, it's important to have a healthy sense of I. So when I talk to you know, people in workshops with accredited practitioners or with clients, this conversation I mainly have with practitioners is think about, and I draw it on a board, a little I is a sense of feeling inadequate and less than. If your I is massive, it's almost that's where you get the grandiose and, Mm -hmm. you know, bigger than anybody else and that's where you get the dominant. But you really do need an I that is just right. So the Goldilocks eye, you know, the one that the I, the part of you that can self-respecting, can honor your own value as a person. And if you really believe in that, if you hold that to be true, then you can negotiate things for your, you know, you can negotiate things well. You can ask for what you need. You can say no when you need to. So This idea, I think it's really important that people have a different view of, you know, have an accurate view of confidence or not accurate so much as a helpful one that actually Mm. supports people's growth. Yeah. So I kind of heard self-worth instead of self-aggrandizing or something, you know. Nice, yes. So I like, and I like, you know, it's a healthy ego. Yeah. Like I'm a person, I have views, I have needs, I, you know have value, I, you know, all that kind of stuff without going over to being egotistical, which is, you know, it's all about me. You know, I need the adulation of others and, and all that kind of stuff. So what we're saying is we want confidence. Confidence is healthy. You know, the ego of self-worth is useful without going over. And it is different from bravado, arrogance, egotistical, right? Moreover, on that side. What about, here's another one for you, excelling versus competing, right? So a lot of people are like, and in popular media, I'm a competitor, you know, especially when we talk about sport, I'm a competitor, I'm a really competitive person. It's seen as quite a positive, 
And so I often talk about what's the difference, you know, what's the achievement equivalent of that, you know, because we mm. know high achievement thinkers and, and people who behave in high achievement ways do well in competitive situations. But it's back to your motivation statement. Yeah. What's driving yeah. me? Yeah. So what's yeah. the difference between those two? I think when we talk about when we confuse competing or being competitive with Excel, it's what we associate with being competitive is this appetite and drive for achieving goals. Mm. The difference, I would say, with achievement is there's an item in achievement called shares responsibility. Okay, and so I think mm. that one of the things in achievement is because I'm focused on excellence rather than winning, I'm able to do it with others without having to be in front or beating them. Mm. Does that make sense? Whereas in competing, I have to be the, the person at the front. In fact, I don't feel good unless I am winning. So I think the difference between achievement, competitive, or excelling and competing is that I think with compete, you're after a win, where I think excellence is really after it's not about the personal win. It's not. It's really about achieving, accomplishing the goal. Yeah, I, I think for me on this one, because it's a tricky one, mm. you know, we want to win. Winning is mm. a good thing. But I think mm. the order is different mm. for high achievement, right, for excelling. If we excel, we will win, you yeah. know, but it's a end result. It's not the first stop, if you like. Like that's the outcome of excelling, right, of performing at our best, at our optimum. Hey, guess what? Results follow doing that rather than I think it's the other way around when we're more in that competitive space, right? Our, our thinking is all about the winning, the end result versus the process, the excellence, yeah. the performance. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of flipping it around. Uh, yeah, and I, th I think so. Yeah, I agree with that. I think probably saying this similar things in different ways. I think that when I want to excel, I'm really after doing my very best in order to progress and in order to achieve a particular goal. I may not win. My motivation is not to win. It may be something that happens, which is all well and good if it does, but my main motivation is achieving excellence, doing the best that I can do, the best that I can be. Whereas I think it all comes down to motivation. When you're competing, your motivation is to win, is to come out first. Whereas I think that, as you said, the motivation to focus on excellence will likely result in a win, but it's not the core driving motivator. I remember it just reminded me, of, we did a breakfast some time ago. Yeah. Darren Lockyer. Yeah. And I just remember one particular quote from him. He talked about, I think it was in like state of origin, particularly with the new the new players, you know, the young guys who have just joined the the state of origin team before the kickoff. They're pretty nervous. Yeah. They're thinking about yeah. how am I going to go today? You know, are we going to win? How am I going to perform? You know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so thinking about the end result, right? And he said that he always made a point of, you know, after they do the coin toss, he'd go back, tell them if they're kicking off or receiving. And he wanted them, he just said, what are you going to do in the next set of six, right? What does the next five minutes hold for you? That's yeah. all I want you to think about is what yeah. are you going to do in the next five minutes? And then yeah. the next five minutes after that and the next five minutes after that. And to me, that's about 
how do we excel, right? What's excellent in the next five minutes, right? Yeah. How do we perform? And if we do that five minutes and the next five minutes and the one after that, you know, the result will take care of itself, you know? So forget about the result, focus on what are the steps that we actually have yeah. to perform to get there, right? It's, yeah, I remember that too because his whole message was around process. Mm. Focus mm. on the process. Do your best. Don't take any shortcuts, mm. you know? And I think that that's a great example where excellence is really about not taking any shortcuts and doing your best in every step leading to the goal. Whereas I think there's something in competing because the motivation is more about me, more about me winning over. I'm prepared to, I might be prepared to cut some corners to get there. You know, it's kind of at what cost? Often we hear the saying, we're talking about sayings where, you know, the means justify the ends. Uh-huh. The ends justify Whereas the I means. Think, yeah. yeah, sorry, sorry, the ends justify the means. And I think that you could see that go with a competitive, high competitive style, whereas I think you're not going to get that, I don't think, in achievement, less likely in the achievement mindset. You've brought up a memory for me. This is, this is embarrassing. This goes way back. In school, in like primary school, we were in, yeah. I remember I played in this team. This is an example of competitive thinking. We played in a softball team, in a softball tournament, yeah. right, between schools. And we weren't the best softball team, you know. We were okay, but we weren't the best. But we were clever as far as the ends justifying the means, right? And so you had to play this whole tournament over the course of like a day or two or something, you know, against all these other schools. And so the way it worked at the rules was at the end of, half an hour or however long the games were, you know, they went back to when both teams had completed the last innings and what were the scores. <laughs> so we figured this out. So we'd just go really hard to get ahead in the first or second innings. And then once we had, we'd be just throwing them lollipops and they'd be smashing them out of the park and stuff, right? They'd be ahead <laughs> by 20 home runs or whatever. But then, of course, the time would expire and it would go back to whatever the last score was because they'd think they're thrashing us. Yeah. And then we went. And I remember it was a life lesson for all of us because afterwards we won the tournament doing that. We, yeah. won, the whole, we won the whole tournament. Wow. And then the, the coach, who was this kid's dad, who's an American guy, so I guess he knew baseball and all that stuff. And he said, well, boys, you won the tournament, but I want you to think about how you did it, you know. Take a look at yourself kind of stuff. So it was a bit of a yeah. look in the mirror moment for people. Wow. That was pretty funny at the time too. Yeah. Still, it still kind of is, if I'm, if I'm honest. But so. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, like I think the whole thing with competitive why leaders kind of really want to hang on to it, I think there's nothing wrong with wanting to, wanting to win, you know. Mm. It's really what are you prepared to do to achieve mm. that. Mm. And I think sometimes competing is a little bit of a, a bit seductive because it, it kind of implies that if you come out on top that that equals a, a good result. Yes. It's not necessarily the same. Because mm. to compete and to win, all you need to do is beat one person. That doesn't mean that you've achieved your best time. It doesn't mean that you've done your best work. So I think whereas excelling, you are really looking to maximize your effort. You know, you're really looking to put your invest your effort where it makes the most difference and to take other people with you. Mm. Because if that's what it takes to excel, that's what we're prepared to do. Yes. It's the big one. Yeah. I was, I was actually listening to an interview with Ash Barty's dad 
So I'm, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm fascinated with Ash Barty because I think she's yeah, a pillar. Me too. She's such an yeah. example of achievement thinking. I, I love her interviews. Like I'm not even a tennis fan particularly, but I tune in for her interviews because I love them. Yeah. And listening to her dad, on it was called Raising a Champion on Rob Barty is his name on YouTube. Yeah. It's really interesting. But it was so different from, you know, how most people, you know, you got to push and drive and all that kind of stuff. Very different story, right? And and it's all about her excellence. So, you know, when you're saying that, if we're striving to excel, then we could win in a slow race, you know, or, or yeah. in Ash Barty's case, she could beat, you know, another tennis player, but she played poorly, but still won. She wouldn't be happy with that performance. Mm. You know, she wouldn't be happy with that performance, even if she won. Vice versa, if she played her heart out, and he talked yeah. about that on the podcast, played her heart out, but didn't get the win. She'd still actually be happy with that, yeah. You know, because she played right. at her potential, you know, and she excels. I love that. You know, and that's yeah. kind of the thinking difference in it. Hey, on on a related note to that, perhaps one that often mm. comes up for me in discussions is excellence versus perfection. <laughs> right, yep. that's one that often comes up, particularly with my perfectionists out there, who I think here, you know, if it's not, they equate perfectionism with high standards, and if it's mm. not perfect then it's kind of nothing you mm. know and so i often try to say well excellence still excellent excellence a mm. very high standard mm. right excellent is not mediocre mm. you know but it doesn't have to be perfect it's about being effective yeah it is about being effective and i sat with a client once during a debrief and she was saying how she's got really high standards it's important for her and she's very precise very important for her that things are done at a certain level. Mm. And as she were talking, she just was naturally talking about, you know, high standards, very important that things are done exceptionally well and that she's flawless. Mm. And that, mm. like, that word came out and it just kind of hit me and hit her and sat between us, <laughs> or, you know, because I just left a pause. I thought, wow, you know, flawless. You know, like think about what you're asking of yourself and whether that's even humanly possible to achieve. So I think, yes, I think the the tricky thing with perfectionism and perfectionistic is that it's difficult to see excellence, to see that there's a difference between excellence and perfectionism. So that I think people who've got who are high perfectionistic can't see that perfection isn't the same as excellence, that you can achieve excellence without needing to do long, hard hours and being a lot more focused around and accepting about what would be effective meeting of the accomplishment versus, you know, a perfect meeting of the accomplishment. I think that's where people struggle. The other thing is that sometimes, you know, Someone once said to me, don't make good the enemy of best around perfectionism. Mm. So, you know, don't set everything with such a high level of waiting that you can't see the value of delivering. You, know, you can't see, you know. So I think that one of the struggles in perfectionism, that excellence versus perfection, is that if you're too wedded to perfection, you know, it'll be very hard for you to progress with any within time constraints or even within sort of a sense of getting us, you know, the sense of satisfaction that comes from progress can be missing if you're holding the bar up to perfection. 
and therefore not effective. You know, because what's the LSI measure of constantly is effectiveness. You know, so how yeah. can we be effective? And I think, yeah, that perfect striving for that perfection actually slows us down, holds us up. And I think it's about as well, it's often perfection in all things, you know, so yeah. everything has to be to that standard. Well, not everything does, you know, some stuff mm. really matters. Some stuff we, we absolutely do have to get right. You know, mm. we really do have to put a lot of focus and attention and, and that stuff on it, but that's not everything. You know? Yeah. In fact, it's only yeah. a couple of really important things. You know? Yeah. Um, so that's some of the difference, but it's interesting because I think the challenge I feel for a lot of people who are more on the perfection side is they hear stuff like don't let good be the best be the enemy of good and and yeah. you know let's go with the 70% solution or the 80% solution it's like yeah. oh god that oh you're killing yeah. me you know because yeah. they hear in that like like shot, shoddy quality exactly substandard yeah. and so yeah. I'm quick to point out achievement's still about excellence excellent mm. is a high standard That's excellent right. is excellent right yeah. excellent is not average or shoddy or mediocre it's excellent but it doesn't have to be perfect you know so does it achieve the objective does it move us forward is it effective you know that's the key yeah i agree i think effective is has to be defined by the you know the criteria what is the objective you know within what time frame and you know i remember i think i might have told you this story but i have I'm not so much a kind of a detail person. My perfectionistic comes out with ideas and vision and once I've got something in my head, I, you know, I tend to, I will want to move heaven and earth to actually create that vision. It was more so when I was um, younger and I remember my boss had given me sort of, you know, do some thinking on this, Corinne. said, great. So I said, okay, when do you want to talk about it? He said, oh, maybe Friday and it was Wednesday or maybe it was Thursday, and I worked till 3 a.m. Friday morning to have this meeting with him, and I went through, I don't know, a 40-page PowerPoint deck or something, and he sort of listened very politely and said, I can see you've done a lot of work in this, and I really appreciate it, but really all I wanted was to have a conversation because I'm not sure we're going to go through with it. And I just went, wow, that was such an important lesson for me because what I'd realized, initially I thought, this is unfair, you've done all this work and I've put in all this time. But when I kind of calmed down, reflected on it, I realized I had read this into what he'd said. Mm. He didn't ask me to do that. That Mm. wasn't the ask. Mm. He wanted to think out loud and I spent seven hours loss of sleep, you know, and it was never used. It was never used, <laughs> but it was a really important for me. That was my perfectionism, you know, creating and and kind of, you know, gone a bit crazy. But the anchoring thing, which is I think is what's different between achievement and perfectionistic, is really the ability to listen and hear and understand what is inherently required. Mm. Because when we go to perfectionistic, we haven't paid attention to that, okay? The motivation is our need for perfection, not what is actually required. Mm. And I hear in that as well, you know, it can be this over-detailing, Yeah. right? Like, And I know I've fallen into that trap before with teams coming up with a plan for a team and like here's the 50-point plan of like every possible contingency and like everything, you know, don't worry, guys, I've mapped it all out. Only problem is 
no one apart from me knows it or remembers it or wants to know it because it's way too complicated. And you'd be better off with, you know, three simple dot points or whatever that capture where we're trying to go. Yeah. You know, and so it was me trying to, I guess, it, I mean, part of it was, you know, if I think of that situation, it was kind of enjoyable. Like I like thinking <laughs> about all the situations and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But but it wasn't effective because it, no one could use it. It was too complex, yeah. you know. So yeah. it's like, again, you know, maybe maybe I was right. You know, we'll never know because no one did it. But that's right. But maybe <laughs> that was genius. You know, if I do say so myself. But it wasn't useful. wasn't effective because we couldn't implement. It's interesting. I, I'm just reflecting on that example, my example, and what we've talked about: the difference between, you know, excellence and perfection, and excel and competing. And we talked about the difference between confident and bravado or arrogance. And I think. You know, one of the essential differences between the red and the blue is that blue constructive is pro-social, okay? So what I mean is it seeks to involve others, you know, constructive styles build relationship, build skills, build results with and through others. When we're in the more of the red zone, our motivation is more about how we look less pro-social. It's more about me, whereas the pro-social is more about we and us. Uh. You know, it doesn't mean that I'm not interested in individual achievement, but when I'm coming from achievement style, even though that could be very task-oriented, I'm interested in getting the very best result possible within the constraints that I'm given. Mm. And so I'm interested in involving other peoples in helping me getting there. So I think that's a really big difference between the blue and the green. If you feel like your motivation is starting to narrow the spotlight or, or narrow in on you and your needs, it may be that it's pulling you more towards the red. Uh. And if you notice that, then one of the quick things that you can do is ask yourself, who else could I get involved in this? Who else could I speak to? Just to broaden that and make it more about us and collaboration rather than winning. So I think that's one of the telltale signs for me. The other one I'd add in for the questions to ask yourself, and it's a question I ask myself and I've brought up on the podcast a few times, is what's the big win? Yeah. What's the big win? Because I think sometimes we're we're stuck at the tactical level because it's you know, I have to be get this thing perfect, but does that matter in the, the mm. big win? You know, does mm. that actually move us forward or not? Mm. You know, I have to look good over here. You know, I've got to compete versus excel. Does that move us towards the big win, you know, mm. or, or not? You know, so for me, it's always asking, what's the overarching objective? You know, the long-term kind of win, the strategic win versus, you know, the thing that's right in front of me right now, you know, so yeah. I can look good right now, but maybe... You know, I'm not bringing people with me, so yeah. long term doesn't work. And I think that that what's implied in that though is that bringing others with you, or you know, that others are part of the journey. Mm. I think that's one of the, you know, things that really separates the blue from the red. Mm, that's it. All right, Corinne. Thanks for your fun. time looking at those kind of edge cases. I guess, like you know, where's <laughs> the line between some of those? There's awesome. I know we've even got more of them, so maybe we can revisit it another time. At least, maybe, we'll do the difference yeah. with the blues and the greens on the other the side. The greens next, yeah. Cool. Right. Sounds good. Thanks for your time. Thank you. So, yeah. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia, all rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au. Thank you.